0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Welcome to Intercepted. I'm Justice Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by uh, Niners Nation Kyle Posey, a very special man to me. Say what's up the people, Kyle? Yo, what's going on, man? We meet again. How you doing? We sure do. Uh, do you remember how we met or how it finished last time? Uh, the uh, last time the Packers and Niners went against each other.
2: I did watch the game and it was not great. It was an entertaining game but I mean typical. It was it was really just typical
1: for the 49ers find a way to blow it at the end. Last second field goal by Mason Crosby who before then and since then has had some hiccups in special teams wise. Some hiccups, huh? Yeah, a couple. A lot of people are saying, but the play leading up to that, uh, to that uh, field goal kick was you know Devonte Adams over the middle. The Green Bay Packers get on the ball fast enough to spike it, and uh, lo and behold, what happened this past weekend? Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy already threw uh, Dak Prescott under the bus and said Dak made the check, but it was the right call. Um, they run a quarterback draw with 12 seconds left. Can't get a backup on the ball to spike it with enough time to actually run a Hail Mary play, and the uh, 49ers win. Um, Today, Lafleur said, basically, um, we're recording this on a Thursday, Lafleur basically said, like, we'd been practicing, you know, getting ready for the San Francisco 49ers during the bye week. We just kind of had a hunch that uh, (laughs) Shanahan was going to win that one. So, way to give credit to Shanahan and, you know, your former boss, while also just, like, kicking McCarthy out the door fully.
2: So much shade in that comment altogether, man. And uh, Kyle was actually asked about that, like how his relationship is with LaFleur, because for whatever reason, you know, people are still talking about that week three hand, handshake gate at the end when Kyle kind of brushed it off. But he pretty much said, I was just caught up in the moment, man. That's my boy. Um, and I, I mean, just going back to what you said, there was really no reason for LaFleur to bring up um, McCarthy or just the game in general. But for him to say that just tells you, you know, what the perception is about good old Mike, your boy,
1: of course. My boy, my boy. I love to bet against them. I will say that in important spots. This, mind you, is the Dallas Cowboys that were, I think they were the best against the spread team um, during the regular season. So, choke when it matters. I love it. I love it. Um, Lafleur also, you know, had been asked those type of questions about Shanahan, and he basically was like, "You know how that? How much?" that dude's done for my family like it's crazy that you guys are asking me these questions like he hired my brother as the offensive coordinator and then you know his his brother you know now bounced with Salah who you know everyone talks about you know him being the best man in Salah's wedding like every dude that like Lafleur is connected with like Kyle Shanahan's been nothing but great to him I feel like the only thing that may have rubbed the relationship wrong is like uh why are you texting my quarterback on draft day (laughs) (laughs) what what are you what are you doing texting my mvp quarterback on draft day gonna need (laughs) him so uh leave him alone
2: and leave us alone
1: yeah how dare you don't ever look at my son again um what is kind of because Packers fans i feel like playoff anxiety has finally hit Packers fans where they're just kind of scared of everything right now like every everyone's like oh the Niners, I didn't like the Niners pool. It's like every other team in the playoffs has a better quarterback. So, you know, not, now is not the time to, to really complain about kind of your poll. Like you got a bye week, you advance to the next round. You didn't lose like the Dallas Cowboys in an embarrassing fashion. Um, but then there's the other side where it's like, this feels like our year. Like everyone is getting healthy at the right time. There's really not that big, like the biggest weakness on the offensive side of the ball is like tight end and Mercedes Lewis is a great Run-blocking tight end, the weakest spot, I guess, now with Kingsley Kiki being released, and we'll talk about that a little bit, um, at least in the nickel look, which is probably what they're going to be in most of the game. Like, Darnell Savage might be their worst starter, and Darnell Savage is a pretty damn good football player. Um, so, kind of, where are 49ers fans coming into this week? So, they're confident, and, I mean,
2: they have good reason to be, just because a lot of times when you bring up, you know, this this matchup, 49ers Packers, you're going to forget, you know, week three, you're going to forget 2000. You're going to remember what you want to remember. You're going to remember Raheem Mostert running for 200 yards. You're going to remember the 2019, you know, the, the good days, the Colin Kaepernick days when, uh you know, he's running all over Green Bay. So I think that matchup, knowing that the 49ers will probably be able to have a little bit of success on the ground. And then, of course, what's just recently happened. So the Cowboys game. And yeah, the game was close at the end, but I mean, in their minds, you know, 49ers fans are thinking, we went on the road and we won and we dominated and the, the only real reason it was close is just because the typical hiccups that, you know, we tend to have every game. And then uh, the second half before that against the Rams scored 27 points or sorry, 24 points and a half against the Rams. And, you know, pretty much shut down a really potent offense. So uh, the confidence is sky high and I understand why, but, you know, going on the road, Aaron Rodgers, you just mentioned like they, they legitimately are the one seed and they're, I mean, look at the other conference. You can you can poke a lot of holes in a lot of high seas, but um, when it comes to the Packers, I mean, you really have to reach when you're coming to, or I guess when you're looking at their team and thinking, you know, are they really
1: legit or not? I feel like the X factor in this game up front is, one, you should be paying attention to weather at this point in the season, right? Especially if you're gambling on these games and stuff. Aaron Rodgers is something like he covers two-thirds of the time against the spread, you know, in uh, freezing conditions. Jimmy Garoppolo has never played a game in freezing conditions, which is amazing when you think about, like, he's been in the – I mean, he's like 30 years old, right? And he he played in New England. You you right. would think that he would have had at least one. Um, you know, Garoppolo – so let's start with the quarterbacks. Garoppolo didn't look good the second half of that game. Um, they had built up a multi-score lead, you know, against dallas by the time that he really you know quote-unquote got dinged up and who knows what's the truth there when kyle shanahan is saying like he didn't you know he's not hurt it didn't impact any ball and jimmy garoppolo is out there saying you know which one hurts worse your, your shoulder or your hand and he says yes and then he says you know it impacted every throw the second half against dallas he didn't look very good um i'm looking at the uh numbers right now he threw 10 times for five completions 39 yards and an interception in the second half against Dallas. And he got dinged up in the second, uh, second quarter, I I guess. Um, What are, what are we expecting from him? Because, you know, at the beginning uh, there were rumors, you know, early on this week that Garoppolo might not even start because of how dinged up he was. And then that quickly, you know, got, got pulled and uh, you know, you see him throwing at practice. Um, He was a full participant, today uh not even listed on the injury report in terms of his status so he 100 percent is going to start the question now is just like what is it going to look like with injured jimmy garoppolo starting
2: yeah i think it's going to be you know how effective is his shoulder he was driven into the ground on his shoulder on his throwing shoulder um i imagine it's going to be a lot of the same so they're going to do what they can to quote unquote hide him and when i say that i mean for whatever reason when you watch him play like he comes out of the gate swinging like they look really good on their first drives and for the most part in two minute and late game situations they look really good as well but it's everything in between where you're not really sure what you're going to get with Jimmy and that's where we see a lot of times when you look at his throwing charts there's not a lot of things outside of the numbers a lot of it is just play action Uh, they're trying to confuse the defense on one side to make the reads simpler for Jimmy um Based on how the Packers line up, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, I imagine they're going to do a lot of what they usually do. So just, you know, backside slants, play action, uh, try to get the linebackers to suck up. That way, the there are defined windows for Jimmy to throw to. But, um, this is probably a good question for you. So how much does Joe Barry confuse on the back end? Because what Mike Vrabel did a few weeks back is... No, know, he's not just going to run simple spot drop stuff. He's not going to just give you a man coverage look. He's going to drop a guy down from one side to the other. And when that happens, especially for Jimmy, you know, he he just – when he has to go from one side of the field to the other, bad things happen. And usually when you do – how that happens is you're able to, you know, just confuse on the back end. So,
1: uh, well, we see a lot of that. And I guess that's going to be your answer to what what version of Jimmy we'll get. Yeah, I mean, they play a lot of match, um, especially, you know, uh, quarters – type of match stuff, you know, for for an NFL team, at least. I mean, you sure see it a whole lot more at the college level, but um, they do confuse guys. I mean, you got to remember that interception against Green Bay the first time around, Jair Alexander comes all the way across the field Great to pick it off, you know, that I think it was to to Kittle, you know, over the middle and he high points and he beats him there. So I, I do think that that kind of does disrupt some stuff when it's not just like field reads, like I'm I'm reading grass when it's like actual pure progression stuff, which is like what a lot of these West coast guys want to run um, doesn't really work against match coverage because you end up being like, well, that was man. So where's my man beater? And you're like, that wasn't man. Oh, okay. You're just playing really tight coverage. You know um, Packers call it sticky coverage. If you ever hear them uh, talking press conferences and stuff, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like we, we have to see at least a little bit of Trey Lance at this game, right? They, they have to be running some sort of packages for him. I think he ran, what, maybe two, three plays against Green Bay the first time around. He got that rushing touchdown behind Trent Williams where they just ran that uh, pin and pull near the goal line, and Trent Williams was like, yep, me against the corner. I'm putting him in the dirt.
2: It's interesting that you say that because Jimmy Ward was on Matt Mayoko, like NBC Sports. He's like Mr. 49er, B-rider. Jimmy Ward was interviewing him, and Jimmy Ward's the free safety on the defense, and he was hyping Trey up about, about how he's you know making the defense work in practice, but he said, I think Trey's got to get his reps. And that came out of nowhere. And then he was talking about just the challenges he presents to a defense. I mean, it goes without saying rocket arm, guy who can run around a little bit, extend plays. So you would think, especially if Jimmy's shoulders hurting him, especially if this is a scenario where um, he's not 100 percent, he can't make the throws down the field. So you brought up the Cowboys game in the second half. What happened was when he's having to push the ball outside the numbers, he's kind of babying it. It's kind of aiming it because he can't put everything into the throw. So, I mean, if you can't get, if your quarterback isn't hundred percent effective, there's another quarterback that you have who is, and he's healthy and you have Green Bay really doesn't have anything to go off of. Like, are you going to really rely on what you saw in the Texans game? Uh, probably not. So uh, you would think it's a nice little opportunity for Shannon to throw a curveball at him, but at the same time, you don't want to disrupt your office. And I feel like that was what, you know, was hurting the 49ers
1: earlier on in the season. That's why we really stopped seeing Trey Lance afterward. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point of throwing outside of the numbers, even when he's on the move, right. That, that interception that he threw against Dallas, where you're like, why did that ball go there? Like that didn't look right. It's just like a healthy person. Yeah. You're like an NFL quarterback should be able to complete that. And, you know, if you do stack the box, you can throw, but if you're not going to take shot plays, outside which is not really what jimmy garoppolo does the way you do it it was with a moving pocket right so he's still gonna have to run and throw on the move to be able to hit those balls outside of the numbers so that's something to watch out for um green bay side of the ball at quarterback it's aaron rogers it's aaron rogers baby not bad M- mvp i saw someone said that they were gonna give their uh their vote for the uh pro football writers of america uh mvp to uh, cooper cup that's offensive <laughs> that, what, what we don't have to like we don't have to pretend we don't have to pretend cooper cup was that guy come on
2: so i have a vote for pfwa and i voted for tom brady how does
1: that make you feel why'd you vote for brady uh it was because he's not aaron Rodgers. wow agenda hashtag agenda <laughs> hashtag agenda let's talk about these running backs um obviously like the big difference here is Trey Sermon isn't going to start this game for the 49ers, which is what what they got in that first matchup. Elijah Mitchell, who's one of my favorite guys coming out in the draft. I love uh, uh, ULL's offense in general. I like Levi Lewis, the quarterback that they have coming out. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, but I think he could be kind of like that Tyrod Taylor type of career trajectory type of thing. Um, He has speed and he can get to the edge. And with how – not weak, but uh, shallow Their you know, outside linebacker depth is where right now as it stands right now is Rashawn Gary's probably going to be coming from the defense's left and then pressing from the right. And then if they have to sub, if these guys don't come off of IR on Friday, then it's going to be, you know, Teepa Galea, who's 229 pounds setting the edge. You can run outside zone on him when George Kittle is, you know, asked to do that reach block as a tight end. If, if you can get Mitchell on the edge, that worries me a ton. Plus the fact that you have Debo Samuel and they weren't really doing the same stuff with Debo, you know, in week three that they're doing right now. So Not even close. The, the backfield is kind of really what worries me about this team, um, at least offensively.
2: So we mentioned Elijah Mitchell. So he had 27 carries. It seems like whenever they get him the ball, obviously, first of all, the analytics crowd, when they talk about number of carries and then you hear the players talk about it. So every time, even Eric Armstead last week, he said when Zeke has a certain number of carries, they are one in five. And we did that today. And they always talk about that. And I I know that there's a cause and correlation thing, but I I really feel like it matters, at least for the coaches. But back to just Elijah Mitchell, um, he's actually much better going up the middle. I feel like he's gotten a lot better just as far as patience, um, knowing where to go, knowing when to hit his spots. Earlier on in the season, he's just, so you mentioned his speed. He knows he's fast and he would just run up into the offensive lineman's backs probably miss a cutback lane this year. And we saw it more so last game. Um, he's just slow to fast through. Like he's not doing that anymore. And he's hitting these, these big running lanes. And you mentioned Debo as well. So they're also able to use Debo as a counter. Now that Elijah Mitchell progressing as a runner. So that one, two punch in the back for, like, those are the only two guys you're going to have to worry about. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see Debo get, you know, upwards to 10 to 15 carries and just go back and forth between those two. Um, sealing the Packers will be, the key to the victory here like they're obviously going to run the ball they're going to go out of their way to run the ball if they can you mentioned you know scooping if that's where they really hurt Dallas is you know getting Trent Williams from the first level and now he's getting a run a free running starter your linebacker a uh, good luck with that man and then you know their edge guys even their backup tight ends are, are pretty serviceable blockers so if they're able to seal the edge for the Packers I think you know we're going to see a lot of yards especially from Mitchell and Debo <laughs>
1: Yeah, and offensive line-wise, I thought Tom Compton had been doing a better job than I really expected. The drop-off from McGlinchey to Compton isn't as big as I would have thought. And I kind of wonder if, are you guys going to pay McGlinchey? Because McGlinchey kind of feels like that Jake Matthews, like he's not bad and he has a high pedigree. Like he came out as a first-round pick and he's an NFL starter. So someone's going to pay him a ton of money just because of that background but i don't i don't know how good he was because content could come in and basically replace him instantly he's
2: like a serviceable better than serviceable competent good player mike mcglinchey but when he's been out since he's been out of the lineup like there's been no change they've been able to run the ball just as effectively they've been able to get passing plays down the field uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not getting sacked so i think the value um and I don't want to get into like right tackle, left tackle or just offensive line in general, but just the value of an offensive lineman, I feel like we're seeing maybe that's just minimizing a Shanahan offense, but yeah, there, there really hasn't been a drop off. It sticks out when it's like a sore thumb, when an offensive lineman gives up a sack. And because you don't know the name, Tom Compton, you're not familiar with it. It's easy to pick on him. But if you look at like their blown block rates or just the, the sacks given up the pressures, it's, it's, you would think that they're the same person. So um, I think it's probably more of a credit to Shanahan than
1: anything. Brunskill, the uh, right guard, is, is the guy to worry about if you're, if you're a Niners fan. And I noticed against Dallas, you know, the crowd starts getting involved. You want Alex Mack having his eyes up because I guess Alex Mack must be doing all the protections and stuff, um, you know, in that type of situation because Brunskill is the guy looking back to Jimmy Garoppolo and punching, you know, Alex Mack on the hip to let him know it's time to go. That's weird to me because Brunskill then has the lowest time to react of any offensive lineman. And he's probably the weakest offensive lineman of that bunch. That, that's the one where I'm like, you could take advantage of that situation. I mean, you only have to go back to the last matchup of the Packers and the Niners to, to pull up the Kenny Clark versus Daniel Brunskill tape. And it, it's it's demoralizing for Niners fans, I would think. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, wide receiver wise, Brandon Ayuk, officially out of the doghouse. What's the ruling here? He's, he's been coming along strong, man. So he
2: looks like a legit number one wide receiver. They're using him like that. It's crazy what happens when you let the talented person run routes and actually throw him the ball. So he's, he's running a lot of isolated routes and that's, that's been new. The 49ers really haven't used that much, but we saw it a little bit in the Rams game where they're just running like backside glances, like backside five-step slants, I guess I should say, or um, just isolated routes where you saw Trayvon Diggs, he's running a blaze out like the Julio route where you run up, fake like you're going inside and cut it back to the outside. So I think that just tells you the type of progression that Brandon Ayuk's having. So having to three threats, Ayuk, Debo and Kittle, like three legitimate threats to go along with uh, their slot receiver has been a long way. But I don't think without the emergence of Brandon Ayuk late in the season, they're not able to move around Debo and use him like a running back or even keep Kittle in to block, which is what they do a lot as well.
1: No, I agree, and Ayuk had a half-decent game against the Packers the first time around, and that was the one where everyone thought, oh, okay, he's finally getting involved, and then it took, like, another month for him to fully, you know, work out of that doghouse. Um, Rodgers was pretty vocal about liking Ayuk and liking Justin Jefferson, and uh, those are looking good. General Manager Aaron Rodgers has got some hits under his belt. Does
2: he he really get credit for saying two guys – who are very high athletes who can catch the ball <laughs> and run really, really fast? Uh, we're going to be good. But no, I mean, like, what, what's going on with the Packers wide receiver group? Because it looks like MVS is not going to play. Um, that's wide receiver three, right? So, a lot of teams. I mean, we saw people are asking, you know, are they going to double team Devonte Adams? Are they going to go wing They have and to. And they yell, have to. But without a guy like MVS, maybe you know, the lack of speed gives you an opportunity to do that. So, uh, what, what's going on with the Packers wide receiver core?
1: Yeah. So. Uh, the big thing is Marquez Valdez-Scanling has that back injury. He was able to practice on Tuesday. He wasn't able to practice on Wednesday or Thursday. They're not going to have a Friday practice because it's a Saturday, Saturday game. They listed him as doubtful for the game. So I would anticipate him not playing. Um, Alan Lazard has really stepped up, uh, you know, with MVS dealing with everything that he's had to deal with between COVID and getting hurt multiple times this season. Um, And then Randall Cobb just came off of the uh, injured reserve list. So that's a huge thing. I mean, Randall Cobb really, until he got hurt against the Rams, he was like Mr. Third Down for for the Packers. Like outside of Devontae, the, the other guy that you could count on really was Randall Cobb on third downs, just being able to eat stuff underneath the middle. And Lazard for, you know, being a big guy who's not necessarily fast is sure running a lot of stuff across the middle because you kind of have to treat him like a tight end the way that he's able to like match up in the run game. Uh, a lot of teams will just be a little bit heavier than you usually would be. And then you end up with two heavy personnel, you know, Alan Lazard running across over the middle and Aaron Rodgers has pinpoint accuracy and you already doubled Devontae Adams. So you're just out of numbers. You know what I mean? So I, I would say that that's kind of the way that it'll go. Um, if MVS can't play, I will say, You'll probably see a little bit of Equinemius St. Brown in this game because I don't think that they would activate Randall Cobb on Thursday and then have him play damn near every snap on on a Saturday, right? Like he's not taking every number three wide receiver snap on, on Saturday. So Equinemius St. Brown's going to get involved. He's kind of like their jet uh, end-around type of guy. So if if valdez Scanlon can't go, it's going to be him. Um, Does Aaron trust him? Which one? same fair fair fair, fair <laughs> question uh so assuming that
2: so mbs is what i read is he tried to he tried to push it with his back on monday mm-hmm. nothing really happened since then and as you said even if he does play the odds with you not practicing all week and being full going the game just not high not high at all so if st brown is going to be the guy if he's going to be the shot guy down the field does aaron trust him to make a play
1: he's thrown to him a couple of times um i still think they're trying they're they're going to try to get Devontae, like, activated very early. It's something that Rodgers has talked about a lot. Um, They've actually – they're kind of the opposite of the Niners, right, where you talked about the Niners, and they look great that first drive against the Dallas Cowboys, and then they had one more touchdown the entire game. And it was that, you know, off of uh, interception that got them uh, starting that drive at, like, the 30-yard line. The Packers have been a team that have been terrible on the first drive, and then they get very good down the stretch. Um, I think they've been outscored – uh, by, like, 38 points or something in the first quarter, and then they lead the league uh, It's second through fourth quarters. So, I feel like that was last year, too. The, it's like it's, under LaFleur in general. It's very weird. I don't know if it's, like, him just being a little bit too conservative or what. It's not like they're really running that different of plays. Um, but Rodgers has talked about recently, like, that first drive, he's trying to get the ball in Devontae's hands some way. Like, he, he wants to get him going, like, early on. He doesn't want Devontae being kind of just, like, all right, you took him away. No, you got to you gotta kick that door open when they try to close it type of thing. So I would assume they're going to figure some sort of way to get Devontae at least a look on something, you know, beyond the sticks in that first drive. Um, offensive line-wise, David Bakhtiari at left tackle, um, he is listed as questionable. He did not practice on Thursday. He did not practice on Tuesday. He did practice on Wednesday. They're saying it's a load management thing. I kind of think it's like, almost a half mental thing with him um he pulled himself out of the game against the detroit lions in the season finale um before you know the starter swapped out and all that stuff uh he only played that game because aaron Rodgers like texted him on that wednesday and was like no we like need you to get a look before we go into playoff mode so bach didn't even think he was gonna go Um, it's been a full year now since his acl injury we're seeing guys like cam Akers come back from Achilles injuries, like it's nothing in the same year, which is nuts to me. I, I, I kind of think something's going on mentally there. Um, not to say, you know, one way or another, it's just, it is what it is. Right. And you know, it, the mental part of injuries too is a very underrated aspect of being able to the whole rehab and recovery process. Everyone else on the offensive line should be able to go. So it should be, you know, Josh Runyon at left guard, uh, Josh Myers at center, Lucas Patrick at right guard and then Billy Turner at right tackle. Um, There's some questions about, you know, if Lucas Patrick is one of their best five and, you know, should they kick Billy Turner into guard and have Dennis Kelly come off the bench? doesn't seem like there's any indication by the team that they're going to move in that direction. And then, you know, the tight ends and running backs. They're just healthy. And uh, AJ Dillon, cold weather. That's going to be fun. He's 250 pounds KP. Warner, Warner better tape up his ankles three times. (laughs) So probably the strength and, I mean, the strength is on this
2: defense is the front seven. And it's not just because they have a bunch of good players. I feel like it's their mentality. So if you watch them, if you watch the linebackers fill and fold. So if you watch the guy who is opposite of Fred Warner, he's just going to run full speed into the line, basically with no recollection for his body. He's going to be reckless as hell and it works. And I think that mindset, that mentality that they have with Dre Greenlaw and Zizal Alshire, their other linebackers really set the tone and the physicality for them. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch just to see a guy like A.J. Dillon, who's a big bruiser, but who's also a good athlete. Like When people say that he's big, you think he's like a plotter. And I don't feel like you get that. I don't feel like. uh, He can catch balls. Yeah. He can catch
1: balls. He can go vertical downfield and catch a ball with one hand. And you're like, dang, that guy should not be able to do that.
2: Yeah, you probably shouldn't take him off the field. But there's also Aaron Jones, too, is, who can do the same thing. So I feel like they do present matchup problems in that sense. But at the same time, 49ers are so athletic and so physical that um, they're able to shut you down in, in ways that most defenses aren't. So uh, I'm interested to see how the Packers do attack. I know the last time they played, they had a lot of success out of the slide. And that's probably the 49ers weakness when K1 Williams is their slot cornerback. A uh, very good run player, very good against as a blitzer. But when you isolate him one-on-one, they did it last game and Lazard had caught a slot fade. Um, Amari Cooper, last game, slot, slot TD. So uh, he, he's not really a guy who can
1: turn and run. And it's really tough to you know hide your slot cornerback when you can't do that. Um, let's go to break and then uh, we'll come back and talk about the defense, special teams and get into predictions.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity.
1: And we're back. All right, so the story of the defensive side of the ball, I think, in terms of the storylines leading up to this week, is defensive end Nick Bosa has a concussion, pretty brutal hit, frankly, in that Dallas Cowboys game. Um, you know, Shanahan, Shanahan is like might be pro-injury. He might be our <laughs> only pro-injury uh, NFL coach. He's basically like, yeah, it's looking good that he's going to play. They listed him as questionable. Um, I don't think he's practiced. Is, is that correct?
2: No, so he's been listed as limited, but I don't think so either. And I think it really comes down to um, them being on a short week. So having, you know, being concussed on a Sunday and having... Right, he's going to have to fly out on on a Friday.
1: He's going to fly out on a Friday. It's an away game too. Right. I think I want to say they're leaving today, so which is even worse. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, can you fly on a plane with a concussion? I feel like that's probably... Changing like altitude and pressure and stuff like that is probably not the way to (laughs) handle it. But the NFL... (laughs) is in like full-blown uh, we-don't-care mode um, is probably the best way to describe it. I mean, Bosa is going to have that quick turnaround on a concussion. No one has gotten like on the COVID list in like two weeks, which is very suspect. Even, you know, they're still doing random testing and stuff like that. So it's not even necessarily players not reporting it themselves. They got to be doing random testing, unless everyone's already tested positive for this thing and it's just spread through the NFL like wildfire. Everyone's already built up immunity and all that. I don't know. Um does doesn't make much sense to me, but you were talking before the break, this defensive front, Eric Armstead. I know he's moved to defensive tackle full time and you know he's looked really good since I think it was what week eight or something like that. Um DJ Jones is a player, Samson Ibu is a player, Arn Key, Jordan Willis, Maurice Hurst, contavious Street. Um, Kevin all those is pretty good too for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. All those guys can play Charles of yeah, was asked like uh, a couple days ago, like what's the difference between Houston and San Francisco. He's like, yeah, he, like it's not a circus here. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys might have, if, if the Packers had this much depth on the defensive line, no one would be able to stop. them. No one. You, you guys might have the deepest in terms of just like the third guy, you're like the third line of the depth chart. That guy's like an actual NFL player, not a project like that dude can actually play. Um, how how much benefit does that kind of provide the stars like Bosa and Armstead and guys like that, that they can just be fresh?
2: Yeah, it's nice, man, to to go from having to play 80 snap, 80% of snaps to 60% of snaps. Like we're talking like what's that four fresh third downs that you get to rush the passer? Um, or when you when you can put these guys on the field and know that you're not having that much of a drop-off. You can still call your plays. Like you don't have to, a lot of times when you put in backups, you know, you get more vanilla as a, as a play caller because you don't trust that they'll be able to run the same type of stones or just to be able to handle whatever it is that you're calling. And that's just not the case. And that's why they're able to have as much success as they are. Um, You mentioned like all those names, a lot of those names are starters in the NFL, like Arden key based on this season alone would start on pretty much every other team. I'm very confident in that. Um, I mean, Maurice
1: Hurst was a starter. He yeah, was like, <laughs> right. already was a starter.
2: And he's like struggling to break the lineup just because of like the ascension of Eric Armstead. But yeah, just to your point, the depth is insane. And the depth covers up so much so many glaring weaknesses in the secondary. And they were playing the majority of the season with Ambry Thomas, who, you know, didn't play football in 2020. And pretty much if you Kyle Shannon said I didn't expect him to be a player based on what I saw in training camp and now he's their starter Uh, they're playing with 33 year old Josh Norman at cornerback who they signed off the street you're not able to do that with the type of dogs that they have up front and yeah it just seems like they're all winning constantly and again like their level of physicality is just unlike anything I've ever seen and that is why you know if you are going to bet on the 49ers if you're confident that this game will be close it'll be because their defensive line is able to get after the backers because I mean what they did to the Rams what they did to the Cowboys was just dominant from quarter from start to finish.
1: Yeah and I I think Green Bay kind of got lucky in that first matchup. I mean uh Josh Nyman was starting at left tackle and that was really before he had kind of taken a few steps up. Um you know Nyman who might play this week uh with David Bakhtiari, you know, depending on what his situation is like. Um Ny- Nyman's gotten better down the stretch but you know, they were using Aaron Jones to chip, uh, you know, Nick Bosa. They were using uh, Robert Tunyon to to flat back him um, just so he wasn't one-on-one and they were able to survive, frankly. And that's kind of crazy because this offensive line is way healthier than they were, you know, when, when they faced uh, the San Francisco 49ers the first time around. Um, these linebackers, these linebackers are like kind of the X factor on defense and, Having three actual like, NFL linebackers is very refreshing in, in the landscape of the league right now where most teams have one, right? I, very few teams have two that right. they can just rely on and nickel. And San Francisco's in a spot where if you go heavy, they have three dudes who can match it. And if you want to go light, they have two dudes who, who can match it. And the fact that, you know, like you said, uh, Aziz Alshire and uh, Drake Greenlaw can be kind of those other guys to your Fred Warner is nuts. It's
2: nuts so, so those two they were rotating both of them last game because Alshire and Greenlaw both had missed time uh, I think Alshire is better just because I mean if you watch the Rams game the safety Jaquaski Tartan even Fred Warner they were telling Dre Greenlaw what to do like every other snap it looked like he has no idea what he's doing out there but he was out for a while so I can I cut him some slack there but as far as coverage goes um, all three can run and when you can turn and run with number, like when you can carry number three up the field, you're, you're able to do so much more um, on defense. And not even that, they the sideline to sideline speed that they have. So like those stretch plays that a lot of teams love to run, that doesn't work against this team because they can cover so much ground. And that's why they've been the best run defense and pretty comfortably over the second half of the season.
1: That's what worries me as like the game deciding play where it's like, Greenlaw or Al Shire or Warner across the middle interception on like Alan Lazard when Rodgers thinks that he has it open because he doesn't face three linebackers who who move like that at the same time. You know, it's it's hard to rep those type of things. I know they were saying uh Trey Lance's practice squad quarterback Aaron Rodgers this week. I thought that was funny. Because yeah, I mean who else is gonna Jimmy's not gonna do it. Like that doesn't really make sense. Secondary wise, how worried about are are you about these corners? I know you talked about K1 kind of being uh, a limited guy a little bit in the slot, Josh Norman being a billion years old and having a punter complete a pass on him, uh, embarrassing uh, fashion in, in a playoff game. And then Ambry Thomas kind of being that sort of uh, surprise, but how do you feel about these guys? Cause that's, I feel like that's been the weakness of the Niners this whole season, right?
2: Oh, hundred percent. So Ambry Thomas
1: has come on strong lately
2: and he's been playing with a lot of confidence, obviously, you know, when you are confident as a cornerback, you know, good things happen, but it seems like um, he, so he does have a bone bruise in his knee. So he's been listed as questionable too. And that's like the real scare. So if he can't go, that means Josh Norman has to play. And that's not what you want against anybody. I don't care if it's Alan Zard, definitely not Devonta Adams, but also they have um, Dante Johnson, who's their veteran guy. Who's really just, you know, a veteran who's been all around. He, he's like your, um Utility guy, I guess is the best way to put it. So you you're comfortable with playing him in spurts, but there's no way that you want him starting, especially against the divisional round game, especially when the other quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Emmanuel Moses has been outstanding, and I think he's really really good. I think he has a chance to make some money, but outside of him, there's not really a guy. You know, if Ambry Thomas isn't 100 percent that I would trust. So yeah, I, I would be worried, and and that is the thing you do worry about, even when they are healthy. Like Ambry Thomas, he struggles to play the ball down the field, and you know Rogers is going to give his guys a chance down the field. So, yeah, that's that's definitely the hope is, you know, the pass rush gets there and you don't have to – you can sit back with seven and get pressure with four.
1: On the Green Bay Packers side, they made a really weird move this week. I don't know if you caught it. They they waived Kingsley Kiki. And Kingsley Kiki was uh, picked up off waivers for the uh, Houston Texans, who don't have a head coach right now. So it's kind of weird that you're picking up guys off of waivers. But uh, it won't be effective until the end of the year. So he won't officially be a Texan, I think, until the next league year starts. Um, Kiki had basically been their third defensive lineman, you know, as, as a 3-4 front. So he starts about half the games, you know, on paper. But he plays 40-plus, you know, snaps per game as an interior guy. He was ruled out after a healthy week of practice on Christmas. That was very weird. Um, they came back and said, you know, it's kind of a personal matter. We don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, he ends up on the COVID list. So he goes on the COVID list, comes off the COVID list. Week 18 comes around. Um, he's healthy enough to practice and stuff. Uh, they they rule him out of the game with an illness. You're like, okay. And then uh, bye week comes around. He's practicing. Monday of divisional week, he's practicing. And then they just wave the guy. So we haven't really seen this guy since Christmas. Um, there, there's some stuff I think we should give room to breathe in that situation. Like when you hear, hey, guy randomly is healthy scratched uh, around the holidays. You're like, ah, a lot of stuff could be happening there. Um, This is also a guy who has had two pretty major concussions that have taken, you know, weeks to recover from. So I don't know what's happening there necessarily, but at the end of the day, what's going to happen is the Packers have Kenny Clark on, you know, as a nose tackle. Dean Lowry is going to be the second guy. And then it's like Tyler Lancaster, who's like the nosiest of nose tackles. Like this guy, gets no penetration, and then T.J. Slayton, who's a rookie, um, who's kind of like their high-variance, very athletic, uh, has-conditioning issues type of nose tackle. So that's kind of their line, um, and that's it. They, they got four guys. They don't use Jack Heflin, who's been on the 53-man roster as a healthy scratch very often. Um, Abdullah Anderson actually gets more playing time off of the practice squad than he does, and then at outside linebacker, you know, they have Preston Smith, they have Rashawn Gary, that's good. Jonathan Garvin, 229-pound Tipa Galea, not so much. So we'll see if on Friday they do end up activating uh, Zedarius Smith and Whitney Merciless from the injured reserve. But if not, they're real light up front. And they only use two inside linebackers, too. Obviously, Devondre Campbell, um, first-team-all-pro. He's having a great season. Chris Barnes, probably less great. Uh, He's probably, like – bottom like top of the bottom third in in, like percentile wise in terms of nfl starting inside linebackers um they did do some stuff with oren burke specifically against san francisco where they went into an actual four three front and i think with their lack of depth you know on the interior and on the edges it might be worth looking into that when they're in base but it's only something that they did against san francisco so i don't know if that's something they were flirting with and they ended up just thrown out of the playbook or if that's something that's like game planned um So
2: with the 49ers, when they're able to extend drives and when they extend drives, when they're on these seven, eight, nine, 10 play drives, that's when they're able to get your second string guys in there. So they get you tired, they run down your throat and all of a sudden, now you have to play your backups. And that's when Debo comes in and that's when he runs around and gets a lot of yards. So I think that's a good point as far as having guys cleared. If the Packers don't have guys cleared, I would be worried. So my question for you is, um, knowing that the 49ers are going to live in base downs or they're going to live in 12, right. 21 personnel. Like that's what they do. There's been more 11 personnel as of late, but I feel like that's just emergence of what Juwan Jennings is able to do. Kyle Shannon still wants to have a fullback and tight end on the field. So knowing that, knowing that he's going to use all of the motion in the world, probably to get guys out of the box. And now the Packers, if they are in an odd front and let's say there are five man on the line, of, five men on the line of scrimmage and somebody motions of the backfield and now they take one of your linebackers out now you have that five one look and you can get to the edge and that's what i think you know the goal will be so uh, uh do you think we see
1: that and how do you think the packers are going to defend them yeah so i would say the one big benefit is devondra campbell in that situation um it was very good by the way very good very good um even when they're a nickel they go into five one stuff uh not necessarily like four two stuff so they'll play a lot of petty looks with They'll keep three defensive tackles out there, and the only inside backer is Devondre Campbell and Nickel. And not a lot of teams play like that. Fangio does it a little bit, and guys from that tree do it a little bit. But it's not something you see often in the NFL. So I think their natural answer would be that, just saying, you know, Devondre, you got to play sideline to sideline. And he's been making those plays every week other than uh, – I can't remember the opponent, but whatever week it was that he came off of uh, the COVID list where he hadn't practiced in 10 days. And he looked very rusty. That, that really killed Green Bay. But outside of that, every other, you know, opportunity he's had, he's looked great. Um, I I think structurally, if that is the plan for San Francisco, and there's no reason to not assume that it's the plan because it's Kyle Shanahan, I feel like we know what we're getting into at this point, all of those minus splits, which is like, you know, wide receivers into the formation, basically like really condensing the formations and stuff like that. The way Green Bay handled it the first time is we're in a too high structure we're playing off quarters and uh, we're just basically, you know, playing from 10 yards and we're dealing with motion that way. And I think their, their idea is going to be, you know, rally to the ball. We're not going to be playing too deep because we're not too worried about Jimmy Garoppolo's deep ball. And we're going to be, you know, fast to fill from, from downhill, whether it's cornerback or, or safety and basically just kind of, you know, if you think about it as like a little umbrella, you have that umbrella that kind of starts at the 10 yard line and works its way down into the formation. So I would assume that that's what they're going to do, but uh, we'll find out. I mean, it it was a tight, it was a tight race the first time around in ways that I don't think people, if they weren't watching the all 22 really realized like that, that interception that we talked about that Jair Alexander had, right. That was on a quarters beater, and the Packers were in quarters. Like Kyle Shanahan called up Kyle Shanahan called the perfect play for that situation. And they just weren't able to get the ball. And you know, Jair Alexander made one of those all pro slash pro bowl type of plays, you know, that he's, he's bound to make. So
2: do you remember in that game when there was another play that kind of was funky that nobody really talks about? So I, it was the fumble where Jimmy kind of throws it to this. It was almost like a lateral. Um, do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like that just kind of gets swept under the rug too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that happened as well. So there, there were so many plays in that game where, you know, the, the 49ers had a chance to come back, and obviously they didn't. They ended up retaking the lead, but the, the game script was so funky in that game where, yeah, you mentioned, if you look at the final score or if you look at most of the game, I'm sure the win probability would say that Green Bay uh, was in control for most of the game, but there are there a lot of times where San Francisco, as always, just shot themselves in the foot, man.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about these DBs real quick, but I, this is going to be a dogfight of a game, frankly. Like, this is going to be a real good matchup, man. This is a heavyweight fight um, outside of you know, Jimmy being hurt, playing in, you know, sub-zero weather or whatever, this this should be a good fight up until the fourth quarter. If it doesn't spin out of control because of Garoppolo, this is going to be a fun game. Um, Jair Alexander is listed as questionable. He's been practicing all week. It sounds like he's going to play, but what they're going to end up doing is basically not playing him full-time, um, which we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the uh, score looks like if, if you decide at halftime, like, Jair, if we don't play you this full game, we might not have another game to play. So, what are we saving you for? Uh, Eric Stokes has done very well. I think he's probably going to end up starting if Jair does play. Um, Russell Douglas, it sounds like, is the guy that they might flirt with playing in the slot. He was the outside starter. Uh, Shannon Sullivan it was their nickel for most of the year, but he's kind of get he might get phased out with you know the cornerback depth coming back. The Packers traditionally have played three safety dime. But now they're using Kevin King in that role, uh, really since the Baltimore Ravens game where uh, Mark Andrews started giving him trouble. And, hey, man, if Mark Andrews is giving you trouble, there's a guy named George Kittle. And right. <laughs> uh, he, he's going to get the ball. So if you need a big body out there and you don't want Henry Black being the guy wrapping up and tackling, like maybe you do put Kevin King out there or maybe you do put, you know, Jair or Rasul or someone like that on the inside. Safety-wise, Adrian Amos is, is great. He's everything you think of uh, as an NFL safety. Darnell Savage can be in very good spots for interceptions and then drop them like against Minnesota. He could have had four. He like dropped every single one of them. There's a couple of times where, you know, quarterbacks are scrambling and he's just not making any effort to get downhill. He's just waiting for him to come to him. And you're like, dang man. Cause this is a guy who, you know, has cover. He has probably the highest coverage traits in the league, other than maybe Tyron Matthew at safety. And it's just not all the way put together yet. It just isn't so big DB
2: guy here. Love to watch defensive backs. And I think so highly of Darnell Savage. I'm glad you said that because there are not a lot of people who do. And when I say that, I mean, if you're just talking about voting for all pro, you would see a bunch of names for safety, but you're not going to see the name Savage on there. And that's because of a lot of things you saw, but also it's because of the box score. Because of yeah. those because those plays don't show up in the box score, these plays that are hitting him in the hands, by the way, and there are multiple, multiple plays that are hitting him in the hands, uh, for whatever reason, he's just not finishing. But yeah, I think the world of him, and I think that he is a very good player, and I would be terrified of him being the one that's dropping in the box and being able to, you know, come from the other side of the field to the other
1: uh, for Jimmy G. Uh, Nate Tyson and I, my buddy Nate, um, we we have decided that the uh, film watcher criteria, like the the bar to like pass, is uh, your thoughts on Bobby Wagner, right? Oh. That that's that's the film for 2021, where you know he's voted Pro Bowl, he had All Pro votes, and everyone who watches film is like, this dude is done. He can't he run. Cut. He yeah, can't he's vote. done. He's done. He plays a very physical position. He did it very explosively and very large for a very long time like there's no shame in saying he's done but probably done um let's get into uh special teams really quickly backers have been a mess Bohork has there's like a 10 chance and it's random every time that Bohork is just going to punt this thing like 20 yards out of bounds for for no reason just shank it um Mason Crosby's had an up and down year Wordle's been having a solid uh season after I think the first game Bohork has had some like weird operational issues with them. Crosby's been looking better recently. Uh, As far as the returners go, they won't say who's going to be returning the ball. Amari Rogers has been pretty bad at returning punts all year. Um, The problem was that, uh, I'm trying to find his name, Uh, David Moore was the guy who replaced him off of the practice squad. He immediately, you know, he was signed on like a Thursday and then played on a Sunday and and was the punt returner for the team off of the practice squad as a call-up. He has been protected. I would assume he's going to be called up again, um, but he had COVID the last, in week 18, so he wasn't able to do that. Randall Cobb also caught one punt right before he ended up having that abdominal injury. So it's been like someone replaces Amari Rogers, then that guy gets hurt, and now we're in the spot where they're all getting healthy again, and the, there's that big old question mark of like, is Amari going to muff you know, a punt in a playoff game? And that scares me to death.
2: Yeah. So you, you talk about that and all 49ers fans do is complain about the special teams. And for good reason, you saw Mike McCarthy got over on them on special teams and that's all you need to know, but uh, their punting team, their tackling on special teams is not good. So they're healthy. And I, I imagine that will have a lot, you know, of impact, a good impact for them. Um, but when you look at the numbers, like green Bay is like the only team that's worse <laughs> than him in special teams, which is very tough to figure out because if I were to, if I were to give a, you a ballot, and say, hey, who do you think the worst team is in special teams? Especially for 49ers fans, they're gonna tell you at San Francisco, like to a man. There's nobody that would probably say anything but that. But it's interesting for you uh to hear you say that that Green Bay is so poor in the same regard. So um it sounds like both these teams are just trying not to lose the game on special teams. That way they can get the offense or defense
1: back on the field. Yeah, there was that Chicago game with Green Bay where the uh, EPA said that basically Green Bay's special teams had cost them 16 points, Oof. and it's you watch it and you're like, yeah, they did. They did. They cost them, you know, three scores. Uh, pandemic year uh, coaching. I'm sure you, you know, you coach high school football too. Um, I'm sure you have crazy stories about pandemic year coaching. Not great. Uh, twenty spring of 2021, we played a team that didn't have enough players to play special teams so we just made a decision of like you you go to the ref on fourth down and you say hey we're taking a punt here it's going 40 yards and you basically just walk the ball down the field feel like we should be able to do that in this game just neither team really wants to do it The, the thing too about uh the Dallas Cowboys completing that punt on Josh Norman San Francisco didn't even have any ambition to return that ball because they were in defense stay they had their base defense out there which is the craziest part and you're like dang that you guys weren't even, you guys had the defense out there. and still a lot of pass. That's tough. Um, prediction wise, what do you got?
2: Yeah. I'm torn on this because it's tough to bet against a defensive line who just they're unblockable and there's no real other way to put it. And the Cowboys have a good offensive line and they made the Cowboys look like they don't have a good offensive line. They overwhelmed the Rams. The Packers are a step up in class against, I mean, pretty much anybody you go against, but, um, there's that Aaron Rodgers guy, and then there's Devontae Adams. And we know that with because Thomas is, you know, banged up a little bit, I'm a little worried in that regard. And it, it really just comes down to the Jimmy coaster. Um, they, they've been able to get away with a lot of his mistakes over the course of the season, and especially in his last two games. Like, they won the games, but that was in spite of the quarterback. And, yes, he made plays down the stretch, but at the same time, they shouldn't be in a position for that. Like they shouldn't have to overcome those mistakes. And because of that, I mean, every time I watch the Packers, when you make a mistake against Aaron Rodgers, he, like you are going to pay for it. And it's not something that you're going to be able to get back later in the game. If you make a mistake, he's going to make you pay for it on the very next drive. And because of that, I don't think they're going to be in a position to um, just, just to win in that sense. So I, I think the Packers win. I think it'll be close. Um, obviously if Jimmy just takes care of the ball, I love their chances, but I don't, I haven't seen enough. Um, I haven't seen enough in that, over the past month or so to think that that's going to happen. And that goes without, you know, all the special teams, blunders, the mismatch on the outside of cornerback. Um, there's going to be plays with, you know, obviously San Francisco struggled even when they don't turn the ball over. So yeah, um, because of that, I'm a little worried. So uh, I'm going Packers here, but I do think it's close. I, I do think six is high. That's the spread. Um, it'll probably come down to um, what,
1: like 24, 20, something like that is what I'd say. I think that's fair. I, I think, Devonte, you know, they're not being a guy on the field that can cover Devontae. The Packers have an MVP guy versus Jimmy, who the second half of the game looked terrible against Dallas. This is the, def- the deepest defensive front going against the deepest offensive line, I think, in the league. And that should be a really fun matchup to watch. I think all of that is worth, and, and then, you know, Kenny Clark matching up on, on Brunskill, obviously. I think all of that is worth like seven points. I, I, I would I would bet still on the game if it was six and a half, and it, it you know it's six right now. It opened up at five and a half, dropped down to five, then jumped back up to six. Um, but I'm taking Green Bay here by a touchdown, and mm-hmm. I think that's fair.
2: That's that's a lot, um, but again, if the mistakes, if the 49ers have made several mistakes, and not just you know it's not just on Jimmy, uh, they've had drop passes,
1: they have penalties that they've had to overcome. There's a lot that's gone wrong. And yeah, they uh, didn't uh, they didn't look. They looked as sloppy as the Cowboys in yeah. that game. Like both of them looked like teams that were actively trying to lose. People were bringing up, you know, 28 to three and all that stuff, you know, midway through the game, which is never what you want to see as, as a fan of the Kyle Shanahan team. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and uh, plug all your stuff.
2: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter, KP underscore show, a lot of Niner stuff um, as we get into the off season here. It'll be a lot of draft stuff, I imagine. So, uh, other than that, um, I'm on YouTube breaking this stuff down. Just type my name, Kyle Posey. Uh, go to NinersNation.com so I can feed my family.
1: Yeah, and we host NFL University together on the uh, SP Nation NFL Show Network. Um, I think I'm going to be doing a lot of draft stuff for, for uh, the national guys too. So if you want to hear draft takes, I mean, Kyle and I, I think we're bo- probably both going to the combine the way that it's been talked about. And uh, yeah, if you're trying to follow draft stuff, uh, give it a listen because that's probably where you're going to find it.